Welcome to Gadgets, a podcast from Gizmodo where we woman'splain the latest technology. I'm your host, consumer tech reporter Florence Ion. And I am your new co-host joining for my second episode, uh, consumer technology deputy editor Michelle Earhart. Hi, Michelle, which by the way, I told you last week is also my middle name. Oh yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. How are you, Flo? I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, usually my kid is asleep when we do this podcast. So if we pick her up on the mic, you know, you just call it ambiance. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the consumer part of it. We're being more realistic. We're, we're showing that we are people, too. Exactly. Um, you know who's not a person, Michelle? <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> Zelon Musk. <laughs> we're not going to get in trouble for that at all. I'm just kidding. Hashtag just kidding. Making just a joke. don't say that on Twitter now because a certain someone has bought it. I know. I, I'm really sorry to everybody listening, but we do have to talk about it because... It has taken over every RSS feed, mm-hmm. the people who are still using RSS. It's huge. It's the only social media network that I really care about, mm-hmm. um, except for YouTube, maybe, if you consider that a social media network. But like Twitter is, I don't know how drastically it's going to change. It's not like it was super great under Jack and mm-hmm. then like the executives after Jack left, but uh You know, I have thoughts about how Elon runs businesses, and I've been able to observe from the sidelines for the most part now, but now I am, I'm an avid Twitter user, as I think most journalists are, so that is interesting. I know. Oh, I want to get into it with you. I think one thing I do want to say, and just to like share on the sentiment, is that For me, Twitter's become more than just a workplace feed because that's sort of how it started, I feel, for us and like our generation of of journalists. Who knows what Gen Z is going to come up with? Um, But at least the millennials are on there. But it's also become a place where like my friends are, right? Right. Because, oh God, is Twitter our Facebook? Mm. (laughs) You said it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's not wrong. Like, I don't mean to pigeonhole us. You're just like, you know, oh, I don't know what the Gen Zers are going to come up with. I'm like, are they going to think Twitter is cool, especially after this? Yeah, I know. This is is how I think now. I'm going to be 36 in two weeks. So (laughs) this is how I'm like, (laughs) what is my generation leaving us with? Um, But in all sincerity, there's going to be more to this episode today than just like what's going on with Elon. We're also going to talk about the Pixel Watch. The Google Pixel Watch. Um, I am so interested in your thoughts about that, being the Android person, the, you know, quote unquote leaks uh, have been a another massive story for us mm-hmm. this week. And mm-hmm. I'm still like not sold on smartwatches as a thing overall. So I'm curious to see how you think this compares to the ones that already exist. Oh, I love that. I Okay, I can't wait to get into it with you. And then finally, we're going to get into it like for real. The thing that you and I bonded over when you first started here, mechanical keyboards. Oh. See clock, if clock, I can clock, put clock, mine clock. next to the microphone. I was going to say. Maybe that picked up. Maybe it didn't. We're going to get well, big on TikTok with keyboards. I was going to say. <laughs> we have to do some ASMR. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And then when we're back, all about Elon.
Michelle, how do we even start this segment? It's hard to put into words exactly what kind of capitalist hell we're about to undergo, <laughs> to put it bluntly. I, guess, I don't know. We start with the, the history, which is like, why did Elon even do this? I was looking this up below, before the show to like try to get an idea. And the answer is nobody really knows why for sure. I mean, obviously there's his ego play. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. There's the idea of like now he gets to control where all the journalists talk about him. But, you know, even a week before this happened, he was saying, no, I'm not going to buy Twitter. And lo and behold, here we are. I am, uh, it's, okay, the man behind Tesla and SpaceX now wants to buy Twitter. I think the opening bet was, what, $44 billion, which is quite a bit of money. Uh, I was reading that my understanding is that part of this money just comes from Tesla stock. Interesting. Again, okay, I just want to say that is not fully substantiated. Um, there's been a lot going on this week, so I could have that fact wrong. But it was making me think about the fact that now, so we're doing this podcast a little later in the week. Yesterday, which is Wednesday when we were supposed to usually record, you know, we started to see Elon uh, unravel a tiny bit <laughs> on Twitter of all places. Mm -hmm. And it sort of became this, like, is Musk going to break off the deal because his initial reasoning for wanting to buy this was to, let's see, I need to, I need to quote him specifically. <clears throat> Free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, Grimes, and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the I future of humanity are debating. Oh, you know, that's very important, though. I don't want to talk over that. I think it's hilarious that he called Twitter like the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. Like, I want to come up to him and say, like, sir, this is a Wendy's. Exactly. I just want my chicken nuggets. <laughs> the The most popular posts I get on Twitter are the ones where, like, I post a picture of my cat looking stupid. Like, Twitter is not where you're going to get serious discourse to the point where calling something discourse on Twitter is a meme. Yes, I agree. I mean, I go on Twitter, again, mostly to chat with friends about the happenings around the internet, whether it's like my tech journalist friends or my pop culture friends, but also because of all the Pokemon shitposting. Yeah. There's and it's so not much like Musk doesn't know that shitposting exists. He shitposts all the time. Mm. It's almost like this is a massive $44 billion troll. A massive $44 billion shitpost? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I would. that would be attributing like a level of scheming to him that I don't think is possible. Uh, but I don't know why you would do this. Like, he runs a car company and a scam company. I guess well. that's not too different from Twitter. Um, I say scam company because, like, Hyperloop and, like, the one-lane Tesla tunnel. Oh, my gosh. I'm going unhinged on this episode. People Wait, are but Michelle, did you see us. that one-lane tunnel, though, in Las Vegas? It, yes. Like, it's... It's helpful, quote unquote, for people who are like at CES and need to get from one side of the convention center to the other. But it doesn't really it's it's not really solving a humanitarian, you know, issue. <laughs> no, you know, what would be more helpful is a train. But <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. 
I will say Musk also said that he wants to make Twitter better than ever by enhancing the product with new features, making the algorithms open source to increase trust, defeating the spam bots, and authenticating all humans. Um, Oh, God, he's going to turn me into a blue check. I don't want to be a blue check, Musk. You don't want to be. I got to tell you, being a blue check is nice because let me tell you why. A, if you tweet a celebrity or a similar blue check, they will actually see your tweet because like. Oh, yeah, they have their. You have your secret little blue check zone. Yeah, I know. It's I don't mean to be all like exclusive here. It's it's silly. uh, Just the idea of it. But I do like I, you know, I like that I tweeted the real world New Orleans is Melissa and she tweeted me back like that is amazing that I could do that. Right. The other thing Twitter, though, and you can only see some of the posters Mm-hmm. What you've done there is you've recreated Facebook. Yes, the original Facebook feed, I would say. Mm, that's true. That wasn't bad because that one had yeah. Disney princesses on it and like it pirates versus ninjas and all these silly flash games. Oh, it did. Can I tell you, though, Michelle, I have to admit to something. Um, I pay for Twitter blue. You pay for t- Okay. <laughs> this is Speaking the newest hot take I've heard from you. <laughs> what What do you get from Twitter blue again? Remind me. Oh, my God. It lets you set a timer before you send a tweet so that if you decide you want to edit it or you messed it up, you can go and fix it. I actually really like that because <laughs> I tend to be an emotional tweeter. And it's, it's like paying for me to have a runway. But that should just be a basic feature. What they're doing is like locking. They're making the app less usable so that they can then charge you to like actually make the app worthwhile. Yeah, from a user experience perspective, I agree. Um, but I will say there's that. And then the other one is the uh, it removes paywalls and ads from some sites. That's a good point. Whenever That's I helpful. see an ad on Twitter, I just block it. So I was going through my blocked accounts yesterday to like check for someone. And I noticed that I had like 90% of my blocked accounts are like mcdonald's and arby's and wendy's and i just like uh be gone corporation absolutely i I do follow i i I follow a lot of google accounts on twitter (laughs) so well that's true no but like (laughs) journalist stuff for stuff i cover i follow those accounts but for things that like post um you know if i get a random ad for smart water in my feed i'm like and I don't subscribe to that channel. I'm like, okay, well, you're getting a block because I don't want you to be able to put this in my feed again. And it is nice to be able to block the ads, but I still see them. It's just they get progressively weirder now. They do. Because the the normal ones are blocked, which is a feature I enjoy, actually. But Do you think that this is why Twitter courted the $44 billion price? Because they were like, well... We're not selling enough ads to really make money here. So I might as well just. That's the one thing that I wanted to to talk about, which is I think historically Twitter has not been profitable and they've been like finding, trying to find a way to be profitable. And apparently the way to be profitable is to make Elon Musk so angry and yet so addicted to your product. And he's like, well, I have to come in and buy it. It's like the the man in like a cartoon or whatever the rich guy who's in a restaurant and Mm -hmm. uh he doesn't like the wait staff or whatever so he's like well i'm buying this whole restaurant Mm -hmm. and now you're fired Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's really yeah and that's how i see elon too throughout this whole thing because i because i worry and i you know 
we don't have much more time on this, but I do, we do need to bring up the fact that there are communities of people who are going to be affected if this deal officially goes through. Um, there's a podcast that I really like that I, ha- I haven't listened to the episode yet, but they put out a special episode. And I just want to shout it out. Um, there are no girls on the internet posted about what Elon buying Twitter is going to mean for marginalized folks. And Twitter historically has been a platform where everybody can come and like find their community. Granted, there's a lot of negativity on there, but eventually you can find yourself like a good community of people. And Elon taking it over with his like relative frat boy tech bro mentality is very scary for just the general discourse on the internet. I 100% agree, especially with his, you know, freeze peach uh mentality because Mm -hmm. we've learned over the past few decades of forums that moderation helps make for good communities and Mm -hmm. twitter has already been known for being lax and like not banning the people it should be banning which is going to drive other people away from the site if twitter either continues its current strategies or gets even more lacks on them um one of if i can do a shout out as well i have a a friend nina freeman uh who is an indie game developer Mm -hmm. and she was saying that a lot of you know smaller artists or people who don't have these big advertising wings on them also rely on twitter uh to to get the word out on their stuff and if you're leaving twitter which you totally have the right to do um and it's probably best for your mental health even if elon musk weren't buying it um you know be sure to find the artists whose work you like and find some other way to find out about it a lot of them have newsletters or you know discords or stuff like that oh discord it's it i love discord so much <laughs> i i'm like i don't know if i'm showing my own age here i have mixed opinions on discord but mostly because i don't want to be on slack in my free time. And Discord is just slack. I hear you. I really hear you on that. It's but over the course of the pandemic, it really became a lifeline for me. And I was I was freelancing before I was here at Gizmodo. So I didn't have like coworkers on slack to back and forth with during the day when I was just like in here working. Um, So it kind of became the second like nature home for me. It really reminds me a lot of AIM. And like the the chat rooms and the you know, the friends I would talk to on there. So well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens at the end of this week with this Elon thing. Yeah, I can smell yeah. the musk from here. I know. We should probably move on so we don't have to smell it anymore. Mm. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> okay, good. BRB. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, I think it is just perfect 
that we are covering these Google Pixel Watch leaks, quote unquote, considering the Pixel Watch was left behind at a bar last weekend. And it is very reminiscent of, oh, I would say, what was that, like 12 years ago? I think it was 2010. (laughs) Yep, that's right. 12 years ago. Yeah. When the iPhone was left at a in a similar situation uh, at a German Hofbrau here in the Bay Area. And well, you all those of you who have been reading Gizmodo for a long time know what we're alluding to, but that's not exactly what happened here. What happened here is a little weirder. So the Pixel Watch is this long-awaited watch that us Android users have been waiting for. We're like, we we had Wear OS, we had whatever Android was doing with its smartwatch thing. It didn't really work out the first like three generations. So then they kind of stopped and let Samsung handle it for us for a while. And now Google's coming back like, hey, we brought you these Pixel smartphones. You know what? Maybe we should give you a watch that matches it. Makes sense. From a pers- you know a device gadget perspective, Apple has out the Apple Watch. Unfortunately, what we are seeing from this purported leak of the Pixel Watch is not really exciting, we Michelle. Yeah, it seems kind of chonky to me. <laughs> let me let me show you my Samsung watch real quick. Okay. Now, <clears throat> I'm just comparing this thinness to what I saw in that chonkster. I don't have them side by side, but I can already tell that my Samsung Galaxy Watch 4 is a lot thinner than whatever it is that was left behind at that bar. You know, it is a quote-unquote leak, and there's a reason why we're calling it quote-unquote. We'll Correct. get into later. Um, so maybe it's not like the final product, or maybe we don't even necessarily know what it's supposed to be. I heard some people saying, you know, oh, it's an athletic model, so it's bigger to make use um, of like a heartbeat sensor or whatever. I'm like, that you could potentially mistake it for that, because I don't think that's what it is, uh, is not necessarily putting the watch in the best light. I agree. I agree with you. The images show a circular device with two buttons surrounding a rotating physical crown. Like this is very, the crown doesn't exist on Samsung watches anymore, but uh, the new, or excuse me, there are some older Samsung watches that had rotating bezels. So that's all built in. And then the leaker claimed that the device looked metallic, but felt like it was coated with glass Design-wise, that tracks with what Google's been doing with the Pixel 6 lineup, so it doesn't seem too far off. But, um, okay, it says here it's about the same size as the Galaxy Watch. 40, oh, 46 millimeter, the large one. Okay, this is going to be a bit of a chunky watch. I don't know about yeah, this, Yeah, and folks. it's got like this weird sort of convex, you know, pebble shape to it as well you were just showing me the galaxy watch and it was like a nice like dime almost like a perfect Mm -hmm. circle um but i can't imagine i know a lot of smartwatches people wear them to sleep now because they like to track their sleep with it or they wear it while they're exercising and this does not look like a fun time uh to wear the this during those activities yeah let's talk Let's talk a little bit about like what would now I know you have gone back to iOS. Mm-hmm. So you are very lucky in that regard because you have a really great watch to choose. Which is a of. shame because I don't use smartwatches. 
Right. I've considered That's it. That's right. And I'll, I can tell you more about my philosophy on smartwatches later. But uh, yeah, I don't use smartwatches. Now, the reason I got my Galaxy Watch is because I I really relied on the metrics to figure out like what was going on with my blood pressure. This was especially when I was pregnant because I mm. I almost completely I fainted and almost blacked out. Oh jeez. It was like the beginning of the fainting where it just like goes dark, but I sat down in time and I was on transit and a bunch of people helped me. It was like a whole thing, but my watch captured. I had a Galaxy Watch active the first gen caught the whole thing in the metrics so you could see like where my heart rate fell really low like what my stress levels were and all that and so i saw that and i was like because i learned a lot more about my body after getting pregnant because i was kind of i was forced to i had to go to the doctor things that i wasn't doing as part of self-care and that kind of maybe way more reliant on this little wearable to just wear it every day just so I know, like, how fast did my heart beat that day? Like, what was I super stressed? You know, I think that's a totally, like, valid use case that I hadn't necessarily considered before. Um, I'm not pregnant, never been pregnant. Um, and I, to me, a smartwatch is something that I would use to check my texts, maybe pay mm -hmm. for something easily, maybe play music. Um, I don't exercise as much as I should, but when I do, it's like, you know, a casual 30-minute session, mm -hmm. usually with a machine that tracks my, you know, everything I'd want to know anyway. Mm -hmm. So it just seems like an expense that isn't worth it to me as convenient as it would be to be able to like check a text without pulling my phone out or check the time even without pulling my phone out. It's funny to me that we've kind of all gone back to pocket watches because we use the phone to check the time <laughs> and those live in our pockets. Um, but it's not worth it to me. Like I live in New York. I know New York has gotten a lot safer. I want to make it clear to our listeners that I'm not a paranoid person, but walking around with a smartwatch still seems to me like walking around with a big mug me sign. Um, that's fair. And that is, a, that is the biggest reason why I haven't gotten it. I, you know, there aren't a ton of use cases for it for me, but it's still like, you know, for a fun splurge or for my own birthday, maybe I'd be willing to get it for me, but I haven't seen one where like the benefits outweigh the potential risk to me. Yeah, that's totally fair. Also, I don't I want to look like a douche. I know that they don't make you look like douches <laughs> anymore. I have that same attitude from like when early flip phones were introduced, when everyone with a flip phone even like came across as a douche. I completely remember. And those are all like super valid things. I will say when I was taking transit daily, I also felt really... Like I always, I always think it's so weird people who play like their Nintendo Switches on transit because I'm mm -hmm. just like... That's a that's an expensive thing that you're playing right there. Exactly. <laughs> Anybody could just grab it out of your hands and there goes your Animal Crossing. That's the other thing why I'm upset there's not a new DS or whatever, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. Oh, we'll have that conversation someday because I've got opinions about that too. But uh, in terms of the Google Pixel Watch, I don't know if we're going to hear anything about this. We have Google I.O., which is their developers conference coming up in two weeks. I don't know. I, I feel like it's too late to try and sell us on a flagship watch. And frankly, I just want to let everybody know that the numbers are out on the Pixel smartphones, the Pixel 6 lineup. 
And it's not selling like hotcakes, as Google said that it would. I will say, at least in the carrier stores, they're not selling as fast as the Samsung Brethren. I mean, Pixel has like never been a huge sales push. It's always been Mm -hmm. Galaxy and Samsung and OEM devices that uh, make up the vast bulk of Android users, which is also part of why I'm kind of meh on a Pixel watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just Mm -hmm. like... I'll be honest, I haven't been super satisfied with Google hardware in the past. That's so fair. That's really, I haven't been on a Pixel phone in two generations. So (laughs) that's right. And they've been supposedly making them better, right? I mean, I'm just saying that because obviously, uh, in my perspective, I've found other things that Mm -hmm. fit the bill a little better. Okay, so before we leave this, then, you know, you're saying, oh, you've moved back to iOS, uh, or actually, it's my first time on iOS, you've moved to iOS. Um, You have a ton of great watch options. uh, But Android users have been looking forward to the Pixel watch as kind of like a their savior, because their their watch options have not been as great. So can Mm -hmm. you talk a little more about like, Android watch history and what you would like to see in a Pixel watch? Yeah, I think what uh, we were all excited about when we talked about, and when I say collective we, I mean the Android nerds, all right? Because we all know that's where I hang out after work, all right? I go into discords with a bunch of nerds and we talk about what we want from this thing. What we want is a thin watch that does all the things the Samsung watches do as far as fitness goes. And we were kind of hoping that Google would have figured out after acquiring Fitbit how they were going to roll it into the rest of the ecosystem, how they were going to take advantage of this great acquisition that they made. Oh, God, finally, they're going to like give Apple a run for their money. But we have yet to see any fruits of that. And that's where a lot of the frustration lies. And as far as hardware goes, Samsung's the only one that's made watches that are both comfortable and functional. But we're starting to run out the clock on that because um, we're starting to see the issues with having only one, like in the Android world, having only one manufacturer do everything is very... Like at that Very point, uncouth. you might as well just get an iPhone, to be Which honest. a lot of people don't want to do. That's the other thing. Um, I think the big thing that we need right now is a functioning like stock Android watch. Mm-hmm. You know, for at least for the rest of the, at least for the rest of the Android fans who don't want to use the Samsung equivalents. And and there are third party, other third party equivalents that aren't necessarily based on Android or on uh, on Android Wear. It has so many different names now. Like there's a Maze Fit, and there's like fitness watches that you can buy that integrate with the phone. But as far as like a smart watch that is part of the OS, yeah, it's uh, it's still limited to Samsung. That's not, you know, that just goes against the whole point of the operating system. I agree so with you. So I guess we'll see when in Google I.O. if maybe uh, they can inject some competition into Android, which is part of why I think people like Android. Sundar willing. Sundar Pachai willing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he heads up Android for the... Yeah. Or excuse me, heads up Google for the uninitiated. If you, uh. if you um, <laughs> say the alphabet into the mir- mirror while spinning around three times, he'll show up and... Uh, I like that I don't one. know where this is going. Well, it's Alphabet. You have to say the Alphabet. So. Right, yeah. The parent company for Google is Alphabet. That's the joke. Anyway, let's take a break. And when we get back, Michelle, clickety-clackety. <laughs> Sounds good. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, Flo. So I know you're a huge mechanical keyboard fan. I like mechanical keyboards too. Um, I use red switches right now, though I was using optical switches before. Um, I'm looking at new mechanical keyboards now. What kind of mechanical keyboards do you like? What should I get? What companies should I look for? What form factor should I use? Oh, Michelle, speaking to my heart, I kind of wish that my guide at Gizmodo was updated because <laughs> the last time I wrote it was tw- now that is it's on my to do list, everyone. Um, but since that came out like two years ago, since I started on this beat, it has been ridiculous the amount of mechanical keyboards that have shown up at my house waiting for me to right last me episode even you were offering to send me some i was i w- yeah i have a i have a key cron with your name on it if you want it uh <laughs> might have to take you up on that yeah i just recently actually got the key cron q3 and um that's it's c- gonna start working on the review for that for anybody who is curious about what that'll be like with regards to the keyboard beat i like to as often as I can take time to re- to review them and really like work with them before I assess them fully because you don't know if a keyboard's going to like flare up your carpal tunnel. Yeah, blast or mm-hmm. Mm, or how shiny it's going to get after you accidentally start typing after eating Taco Bell and not washing your hands, you oh know? Oh my gosh, Flo. I'm looking at my keyboard right now and you can barely see like the E on the E key. I guess these are ASA keycaps. Um, It's been a long time since I bought this keyboard. Probably used, replaced. Although it's not necessarily the horror story that you had with your keyboard recently. Oh my God. This week when we we had our staff meeting, (laughs) you know, we have our usual like meetings that we do, right? And all of a sudden I like saw from the corner of my eye something moving and I looked down. It's just this giant earwig. That and I just saw it crawl out of the keycap of my uh, uh, right arrow key on the you know the navigation, and I had to I turned off the camera immediately <laughs> so I could like suck it up with the vacuum. That's so much to deal with. It's it lives close to your hands. You know I prefer not to think too much about like the cleanliness of my keyboard or phone because of how often I touch them. And particularly with the phone where I take them, uh, I shouldn't be sharing that with people. But um, to, to like see a reminder of that come out of your keyboard, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. Can I offer a tip here on the podcast? Yes. Anybody who has a Daiso near them, I go to Daiso and I buy these 
two dollar fifty. Oh, they went up to two. Okay, excuse me. They were two dollars, and now two twenty five. Isopropyl wipes. Uh, I have the Rila Kuma version. Yes, I noticed. I was going to say it. <laughs> This is the Sakura version for for the spring. And I just stock up on these every couple of months and I clean my keyboard, my phone. I clean my earbuds because I have very, I have eczema inside my ears, which is great. All these things that don't tell you about. But anyway, back to keyboards. Can I tell you what I'm using right now? Yes. Right now I'm using, before you started, I reviewed an NZXT keyboard. It's called the... Um, how did I just completely forget the name of this? Anyway, if you go to gizmodo.com, you'll you'll see the last NZXT, a function keyboard is what it's called. And aesthetically, it's not my thing. It's very, very, very much like computer lab, the way it looks with a little purple on it. But this is the most comfortable keyboard I've used. And the only thing is I miss the the deep heaviness of the aluminum body keyboard, which you definitely get with the Keychron. I am using right now uh, a Corsair K70 uh, with cherry red switches that I bought for Overwatch uh, back in 2016. Uh, I talked about this on last week's podcast. So I don't want to go into too much detail. But the reason I'm using it is because I was actually using a different keyboard for the past couple years, the Razer Huntsman, mm-hmm. um, that was provided to me through work, but I no longer work with that particular company. So I had to give it back to them. Uh, but that's okay. I liked the Razer Huntsman. It uses optical switches, which, uh, activate through a beam of light rather than like actually mm-hmm. pressing something. So it's kind of borderline to me whether it can even be considered mechanical, but that's a uh that's a talk for another time. Um but it was I think more versatile than the cherry reds, which are extremely light and I type a lot more than I game now. So I'm definitely looking to upgrade to something a little, you know, with a little bit more resistance, like a brown. I don't think I want to go quite as resistant as like a blue, but like we should talk about what these colors mean for our listeners. Blue is so clicky is the other problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's three different kinds of uh, mechanical switches. There's, besides the optical that Michelle mentioned, that is a new thing that the gaming companies are kind of pushing through. SteelSeries also has a board that the Apex, I forget which model it is, but it also lets mm-hmm. you adjust the actuation of each yep. key. That's which is, one of the key advantages to optical. Optical isn't bad. When I'm saying, yeah. like, I don't know whether you can consider them mechanical, and that's not necessarily a knock. It's just they use a completely different method. It's true, but you can still customize them with the standard keycaps, which is kind of why I always consider them mechanical keyboards, you know? Um, And I also found them very comfortable for typing, but the, so there's tactile, linear, and clicky. Clicky switches sound exactly like what they mean. You type on them and they make like a, like a click sound in addition to you typing. So it's very noisy. Not the kind of thing to have if you work from home with family members that you love and cherish. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> then As there's to family members that you hate and don't cherish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, those that you don't cherish, just, you know, do whatever you need to do. Uh, the browns are tactile. They have a teeny tiny little bump, but for like hard typers, that's the reason I like it is because I'm a hard typer. 
when I'm typing on deadline, I'm just like slamming the keyboard. And so I need a switch that'll let me do that. Um, and then the last one are linears. And I believe cherry reds are linear. They are, yes. Yep. Um, they used to, I think, be the fastest cherry switch mm-hmm. because they had like the the lowest amount of travel and the the like most um easy to actuate like actuation point but i think they've since been replaced by like cherry mx speed silver or whatever they keep making new ones yeah those premium ones that's when you get super into the enthusiast community so please anybody who's listening who's like what don't worry about it if you just want to get a keyboard off the shelf um michelle i will say by the way i have that optical keyboard if you want me to send it to you from razor <laughs> i'm I not mean, using it <laughs> it is a nice keyboard i think i'm ready to try something else though um i bought for my boyfriend's birthday i bought him a keychron k2 mm-hmm. i want to say or k um because he works on an apple um, and mm-hmm. he was using just like this awful Logitech wireless uh, membrane keyboard that we had lying around um, to work with it. I'm like, I want to get him a keyboard, a nice mechanical keyboard specifically for work. I want it to be wireless and I want it to come with Apple keycaps. And that is something that Keychron excels in. Did you, how deep are you into the DIY community? Because I've, like, I've made, I've built a board from scratch. I have never made a keyboard. I have never performed mods. I have done edits on people who have done both. So I'm aware of, like, Drop and Akko and Mode and all those other ones. I'm actually looking at a Mode keyboard right now. I forget the particular name. Um, it might be the Mode 80, but I believe that's a little too rich for my blood. But I think I kind of want to go for an enthusiast keyboard next. It's hard. I will tell you, I was going to tell you, so I've never soldered anything before. And I really appreciate that we're in this era of hot swap keyboards, which mm-hmm. lets you basically you buy the board and then you can buy the switches individually off the internet. And the nice thing about that is you can go common switches like the cherries that we were talking about. Um, Gateron, by the way, are cherry, I don't want to say knockoffs, but yeah, they're the same thing. There's a lot of companies that- They're standardized. We'll proudly say that we are cherry clones, but- Exactly. Um, And there are some really cute ones that you can buy. Like there's pinks and there's banana splits that are yellowish. And there's, you know, um, I have tangies, which are like uh, orange and green with green stems. (laughs) And they're like very cute, but- if you don't build the keyboard the right way, it literally falls apart when you turn it over. As I found out the other day when my daughter came into my room, she loves to tap on mommy's keyboards. <laughs> and <laughs> she's learning. Yeah, yeah. And I obviously encourage that with parental supervision. But she took the one that I made. You can actually kind of see it here in the background. Turned it over and the whole and the thing whole the thing, PC yeah. keyboard just came out. And I was like... Oh no, I really screwed up that build, didn't I? Well that's that's how she <laughs> she was um doing QA for you. I was gonna say my little QA tester. Anyway, guy we have to we have to rebuild that keyboard, everyone. Uh, uh, that could be a video. I've been thinking about it actually, is how to go about this because keyboard building is pretty lonely. And part of the reason that I haven't built it recently, I used to do it on Twitch 
or in a, in my Discord with friends. But like, my kid doesn't go to bed till like nine thirty mm-hmm. some nights, so it's like nobody. No, my East Coast friends aren't staying up till one a.m. <laughs> to like keep me company on my keyboard build, you know. Uh, well, you need to find a way to do it during work flow. You need to find uh, exactly. a way to make it a project for us. So we can talk about that after the podcast. You know, it's so nice to have an editor who's in support of, you know, a person's projects. <laughs> I mean, I think that would be cool. Um, that's one thing that I wanted to, oh, I don't know how much I should pull back the curtain, but that's one thing I wanted to get done at my last job before I left that I didn't quite get a chance to, which was a like how to build a keyboard video where we like have someone on stream live building a keyboard and like taking questions as they do it. So if that sounds appealing to you, uh, I don't know, we can work out the pitch process right here while the listeners. Listeners, how does that sound to you? You know, I feel like, Michelle, this is a good time for us to mention, you know, We've got some ideas brewing here at Gadgets. And if you like what you hear, what we're talking about just now, I would implore you to either tweet us at Gizmodo or send us an email at gadgets at gizmodo.com with any comments, questions, or concerns you might have or things you'd like to see us do on camera. Hmm? Hmm? Flo, that was (laughs) so smooth. Well, this seems like a good segue for us to start saying our goodbyes, Michelle. Um, Michelle, I want to thank you for being you. Of course. I want to thank you for being you. I want to thank you for having me on for my my, uh, second show. I want to thank the audience for putting up with my voice. Uh, And, you know, I'll see you next week uh, where you can put up with it uh, once more. I love it. I love putting up with your voice, Michelle. And I love that you and I uh, have so many things in common, like mechanical keyboards. If people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? Of course. So they can find me uh, on social media on elonmusk.hellsite.com. <laughs> no, they can find me uh, on my Twitter at, at Shell Earhart, uh, spelled like Michelle, but with the MI cut off. Um, and the last name is E-H-R-H-A-R-D-T. I sound like I'm at a pharmacy, but it's impossible to spell. So you won't be able to find it unless I spell it out for you. Oh, that's okay. Thank you, Michelle, for spelling it out so people can follow you. Mm-hmm. Well, as for me, if you want to find me, I am on Twitter at OhThatFlow and wherever else you are. Also, I'm still on Snapchat. So if you happen to be on there and you want to find me. Oh, we have Snapchat news. You should check I the know. site for news. I checked it today. I'm I'm probably going to buy that drone. <laughs> if you want to know what I'm talking about, go to gizmodo.com. Exactly. That's where nice we're coming plug. from today. Uh, before we officially sign off, we just want to thank our producer and our sound engineer, Ryan Allen, for making us sound well every week. And we also like to thank our cover designer, Vicky Lita, who's out there making pretty art. If you like what you hear here, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple and Spotify if you do listen to us there. It really helps us out. For now, we're going to sign off and say everybody have a great week. Until next week. See you next time, everyone.